Welcome to the 17th episode of the Dudes Spake Dudes podcast. This is not a podcast about the rich history of clog dancing, nor is it a podcast about cholesterol management. This is a podcast about dudes that are spanking dudes and about dudes who are being spanked by other dudes. And this podcast is hosted by two dudes. I'm Paul in North Hollywood. Hey, Paul, and I am Scott, also known as Red Spank Scott. Welcome Welcome to the podcast, Paul. Thank you. Or as people probably know you better by the name you use for your artwork, Copper. Correct. And uh, we will be talking a lot uh, more about that later. Uh, but just give folks, uh, for folks who don't know you, I'm sure I'm sure a good chunk of our podcast uh, listeners know who you are. But for the benefit of those who don't know you, just give us a little bit of your background out here in, in uh, California. Okay. Um I've been actively participating in the Los Angeles banking community since around 1990. I'm one of the six co-founders of the Moonburn Association. I know you've mentioned that in previous podcasts. It's the LA Mail Spanking Party. Um, I have appeared in a number of commercial videos for Man's Hand Films uh, under the name Paul Morrison and uh, normally playing a cop, which isn't too much of a stretch for me because I was actually a, a police officer uh, here in Southern California for about 22 years. Um, I'm probably best known, as you said, for doing the artwork, uh, illustrations, cartoons, and st such under the name Copper, and uh, have done both spanking and just general kink-type uh, illustrations for the Leather Journal, Queer Magazine, Drummer, Hot Bottoms, uh, Red Tails, and I'm now currently the chief creative director for Man's Hand Films and the managing editor of Red Tails Magazine. That's a lot of spanking-related stuff. <laughs> I think I've... it's it's more than a hobby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so so what the podcast episode? Since I was able to get you on, get get Paul on here. So the podcast episode today, the real dude section, we're going to talk about um, your background and the development of a spanking community here in Los Angeles. Because I I talk about how spoiled I am for having such a, a strong. Co you know, cohesive spanking community here in Southern California, and I hear a lot from from other folks about about how difficult it is where they live. So, so I thought it would be good for someone who's involved with the history to really talk about how how Los Angeles' spanking community developed the way it did. And then in our fantasy life uh, section, we're going to talk about your artwork and how you got involved in that, and and, and where you see uh, spanking art culture and fetish art culture going in general. Uh, and and we do have a uh, one question I got towards the end that uh, we can at the end of the podcast that, that you and I can both give feedback on. So uh, once again, welcome. So to start with the real dudes spanking real dude section. So let's talk about Los Angeles. So, so you've been here since 1990, which was and not to put a date on on everything. That's when I actually graduated high school, and I also it was interesting at the same time I was exploring spanking as you were getting involved in the community here. So, so, so tell me about getting involved in the spanking community in Los Angeles in 1990 when the internet was just being born. Yeah, it was it was a totally different world. Um, basically, the spanking community has always been here. We've had a very active spanking community, uh, male gay spanking community, but. Um, Back then, it was all word of mouth. It was, you know, phone calls if you could get, you know, that sort of connection with somebody. Uh, it was personal ads. And back then, it was, uh, there were various magazines. Uh, Studio 7 put out Woodshed. Control T had Hot Bottoms. Uh, Man's Hand up in San Francisco had the Red Tails magazine. 
And so a lot of the connecting was done by snail mail. It was actually mailing a letter. And then in order to maintain uh, anonymity uh, for everybody, you'd actually mail a response to Man's Hand Films or to Control T or whoever. And then they would forward your letter to whoever wrote the original ad that appeared in the magazine. And then if they were interested, that person would mail you or if you included a phone number, uh, would call you. So that's how people were connecting back then. Um, the bar scene was much more active, and in some of the leather bars, there were, you know, uh, nights or something where they'd have a theme. And uh, Glenn Walker, who's kind of the, the dean of spanking here in Los Angeles, unfortunately passed away a few years ago, but he had the idea of starting a spanking club for guys that are into spanking. And uh, the original location was at a bathhouse called Don's in the uh, Atwater Village area. And that only lasted for about six months until the owner of the warehouse that had been turned into a bathhouse discovered what he was using his building for and threw us out. But uh, one night a month, uh, they would have a, a spanking theme night. And so that's how the whole thing started. And uh, basically, it was still a bathhouse. There were still guys walking around in towels and doing whatever they do in a bathhouse. But if you were into spanking, you know that by going to Don's on whatever night of the week it was, I think it was a Wednesday night, uh, once a month, you'd meet other guys that were into spanking. And eventually, uh, after Don's, uh, we moved to a science fiction and fantasy club up on Burbank Boulevard in North Hollywood. And that's where Moonburn was really established. Yeah, I've, I remember, you know, the days of the magazine, because like I, like I said, I was just graduating high school and just starting to explore. And that was that was kind of a nerve-wracking situation, Um when you're not living in an area where you could go meet people at bathhouses, because I, I, I grew up in, in central Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you were like answering ads and, you know, there were no pictures. You were just going off of descriptions and then you were trying to meet people. And then you didn't really know what the other person looked like, whether you'd be compatible. And I had some really kind of awkward experiences back. Uh, we all did. Yeah. <laughs> and so then, so when you first started doing these parties, like how many, how many guys showed up for them? Was it always a, a popular event? It was, it was popular for being the small demographic that, uh, that we have. Um, I actually went back and looked at some of the records and our, our first party, we actually had over 60 guys show up. Wow. Which, uh, I didn't remember that many, but, uh, and then it went up and down, obviously over the years. Uh, we got down into the forties at times and we got over a hundred on a couple of occasions. But, uh, when it first started, uh, we spread it by word of mouth primarily. Uh, we did run ads in a couple of the magazines like, uh, Edge and Frontiers and Data Boy, just announcing, you know, a special party for guys that are into spanking and discipline scenes. And uh, and so, it, but basically, it was word of mouth. It was guys who knew other guys that were into spanking and helped spread the word that uh, this new party was starting. And so, what sort of challenges have you you faced trying to keep this party going? Uh, we've had to change locations a few times, and finding a new location for an event like this is kind of difficult. Um, we did try private homes. Uh, there, we often got noise complaints. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, we, we've had to find locations that are somewhat secluded or, or private. Um, there is the cost of running the party. Uh, originally, the six of us who kind of put the uh, Moonburn uh, Club together, we each put $100 of our own money into the club. And then basically it was with the agreement that when the club was financially stable, they would repay us. And within six months, I would say we were all reimbursed the money that we had invested and 
we, we basically just wanted to have the money to uh, open a checking account so we could pay bills and so forth. But um, over the years, uh, money hasn't really been an issue for us. We've had good enough attendance to where that has not been an issue. Um, we have certain people who don't like following rules. And, uh, <laughs> so, so there are those times when we have to enforce the rules and ask people to either leave or not return. Um, but overall, it's been a really copacetic group of people, and especially I've been involved in so many gay groups over the years, and it seems like there's always a falling out between the guys who organize and run the place. And uh, we've had no no real issues with the uh, with the organizers. It's been a good group of people that have really been obviously volunteering their time for going on 24 years now. Yeah, how big of a how big of a commitment, you know, sort of a time and attention commitment? Because like, since I keep getting so much feedback from people who wish that there were parties in their community, like like how much work has it been to keep this up? Um, there really isn't that much work. Uh, we we divide up the uh, the various duties, and so one guy he is in charge of sending out advertisements and uh, basically notifying people by email. Uh, another guy. Picks up refreshments on the way to the club every week, uh, every month. Uh, another person strictly works the sign-in table and very rarely plays at the party, but he just he loves checking people in and you know introducing them to the club and so forth. And uh, we each have our little niche where we fit in. Yeah, actually, that, that is the one guy you, you just mentioned is, is responsible for introducing me to the bully, as a matter of fact. And so nice, I, nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one of the things we, we've I've talked about it on the podcast or I've heard from the podcast and, and one of the challenges is getting new people um, yes. out there. So, so, so what is that like? Um, well, it was a lot easier when Craigslist had personal ads. Um, <laughs> that was our, our main source of advertising for the past uh, 15 years. Um, and obviously, uh, you know, we, we could put graphic pictures up. We could, uh, you know, describe the action and so forth. And what it was was kind of a, if you're interested in this, then contact us and we'll tell you where the party is. We we told them when it is so that they would know if they had the time off. But uh, as far as the location and so forth, we didn't really advertise that in public spaces. But uh, if people were interested, we'd send it to them. Um, well, the biggest, uh, the biggest issue I think we've had, I mean, every month we have a few new people that have not been to the party before. And uh, it's always kind of amazing that they're just discovering us after we've been around for so long. But... Um, as far as one of the big challenges we have are getting younger people to uh, attend. Uh, we tend to be an older demographic, and we do get younger people in, but if there aren't other people around their age, they tend to not come back. It's, uh, you know, they come one time, they experience it, and it's like, okay, um, maybe not for me. And uh, one of the big challenges we've had, and it's the same with all the spanking parties in San Francisco, New York, Washington, is finding new new talent and uh guys that are into it that uh that feel welcome and that uh want to return on a regular basis yeah so so one of the things that i've, I've noticed um uh my, my my other buddy Bossman, he brought me to an anniversary dinner for an um a leather snm group mm -hmm. um here in los angeles who's been around for 25 years and the interesting thing going to that is you can see the the aging of the let me put it the right way. So it's an aging. There's an aging of a, of the community that participates in these organizations. They are getting older, and there are not 
enough younger people coming into that environment to replenish it and you know and so, so it ends up skewing older and older and older like uh you know bossman and i were, are among the younger people and you know we are not young people um but that doesn't mean that there are fewer guys who are into spanking no it's not. it's creating so i think there's a side effect of it's fascinatingly i think it's a side effect of the increased acceptance of of gay men and women lgbt folks across the country you know people used to gay men used to have to congregate in these cities for you know to find friendly faces and to play safely and you know know that know that they can live their lives openly now people don't exactly have to do that and so you end up with these different challenges where i'm getting you know messages from people in kansas looking for spank buddies sure (laughs) well and and the internet has so changed the entire community as far as connecting people i mean chances are you and i grew up in an era where we felt we were the only person that really got turned on by spanking and uh the fact is that you know there are lots of people and with uh, websites like Spank This Hookups, and there was Guy Spank when the uh, internet was early, uh, early on, um, they're connecting and they're realizing that they're not alone. And uh, certainly it helps them to communi- uh, communicate and possibly even meet with people that are near to them. They don't have to, like you say, come to a city to find people because we're basically everywhere. And now through the internet, we can actually connect. Yeah, I didn't, you know, it's funny, I didn't. Um... I only understood that spanking was an actual fetish that other people had uh, based on on reading some spanking story in a heterosexual porno magazine I got my hands on. I think it was a a copy of Hustler. And it wasn't until I I was, uh, I guess, 20, and I convinced a a friend of mine to 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 go out with me to an actual porn shop that mm-hmm. I discovered the man's hand in control T videos and discovered, Oh, there, there is, there, there's videos and there's other guys who are into this. And so that was a very, very different experience. Now it's great that it's a lot easier, but yeah, it creates this new set of challenges. Yeah, absolutely. So, so what do you, how, if people out there are, are thinking about trying to put together some sort of party or an event or a gathering, how do you kind of create an environment for that? Well, we actually, uh, in Red Tails Magazine, this was a question that came up uh, many years ago, and we actually wrote an entire article on uh, hosting spanking parties. And they're not set in stone rules, but it was suggestions and things that we've discovered through uh, through Moonburn and then also the San Francisco uh, spanking party. Uh, the owner of Man's Hand Films ran that for a number of years until he moved to Southern California. And uh, a few of the things that we discovered or that we crossed our minds, is number one, the location and the fact that it helps to have it in a highly populated area, like an urban setting, just because you have better potential uh, participation. You have more people in the area. Um, Making sure that the venue is large enough to host a party. I know there was, uh, for years, there was a party in San or in uh, Chicago, rather, that was held in a, like, one-bedroom apartment. (laughs) But they would have 20, 30 people show up, and there was no place to play. I mean, they were, you know, stepping over each other. So uh, a large enough venue, uh, something where the noise issues do not uh, create problems with neighbors and so forth. We've had those issues in private homes and uh, especially in apartments and hotels. And uh, one of the other things we discovered is a lot of people, if they know about your party, um, 
if they're traveling, they want to attend. And so they actually plan vacations and outings and so forth around the date of the party. But we found that it really helps to have public transportation nearby because a lot of people don't rent cars and all when they travel. And so uh, those those are some of the location issues we had. Um, as far as cover charges, uh, paying for venues and so forth, we've been very lucky with Moonburn. Uh, for a number of years, the admission charge was $5, which included a four-hour play party and then also all the refreshments you could eat, drink, so forth. Uh, we never charge for those. Some places, for uh, for economic reasons, they have a cover charge and then they charge for refreshments. The cover charges of most parties I've been to are 20 to $30. So, uh, like I say, we've been lucky with Moonburn. Um, the, one of the things, there was a spanking party for a while in Los Angeles that uh, basically the host was trying to make a profit off from it. And so it was higher prices, charging for refreshments and so forth. But also the guests didn't have a sense that it was a, a just a party, but it was actually a for-profit event. And uh, we've never been really into that. Uh, we have money in the bank, but it's uh, basically there for a rainy day. Uh, it's one of those things where none of the volunteers uh, any of the organizers uh, get paid. It's basically all volunteer. And uh, and then some of the other clubs we've been to require a membership. If it's in a bathhouse or something, you have to pay a membership, a one-time membership, and then you can go to the party, but you have to pay cover charges at the party. So figuring out the finances is uh, is a little tricky, but uh, you know, uh, if you can keep it low priced, you'll, chances are you'll have better uh, admission. Uh, we found that having rules uh, make people actually more comfortable because they uh, everybody's on the same page. Everyone has the same expectations. Uh, and, and basic rules like no drugs, uh, no alcohol or, or minimal alcohol. Uh, we don't allow any cameras, any photography in any of the clubs I've been to simply because we want people to be uh, comfortable and, and not have to worry about being in the background of a photograph that gets posted on the Internet or something. Uh Obviously, keeping conversations out of the play spaces, keeping noise down and so forth uh, in, in the play spaces is important. So having everybody on the same page really helps. And uh, we always explain all that when we send a uh, – if, if anybody asks for uh, a little bit of info on Moonburn, basically we cut and paste a whole page of rules so they know exactly what to expect. Um, uh, we find that name tags help. Uh, start conversations. Uh, we just use your first name. And what we developed at Moonburn were a colored dot system where a blue dot means you're entirely a top. A red dot means you're strictly a bottom. Uh, a green dot means you go both ways depending on who you're playing with. And a yellow dot indicates that you just want to watch. You're not really interested in playing. And obviously we don't hold people to this. If you have a color and you want to play a different way, you feel free. But it is basically a... Uh, a conversation starter. It's a way for people to walk up and introduce themselves. And uh, and we found that it really is important to have the option of not playing in a public party, uh, that people are welcome to come and just observe. Maybe they just want to come and watch how somebody plays and see if they want to meet with them privately and uh, use it as a place for uh, connecting and for, uh, you know, meeting new guys who are into the same fetish. Yeah, yeah. One of the things, actually, one of the things we had talked about has, you know, the sexual activity is not permitted at the party. Um, uh, although sometimes people get a little frisky. I actually recently, not at this recent party, but uh, the party before that, actually had a guy I met for the first time for who, who, 
for some reason just really turned me on. Uh, <laughs> it happens, but um, we we um, we we don't or or they discourage a lot of sexual activity. And it's interesting because people have different relationships between their fetishes and and sexual activity. And um, what I what we kind of let people know there is like. You can't have sex. You can't have sex at the party. But if you find someone there that you're sexually connecting with, you can make arrangements to do sex play elsewhere. And I think the, the big issue there right. is that since a lot of there are guys there who are you know who who like me are in it for for the spanking play and do not really are not interested in sexual activity. There are guys there who are straight. You know, and are yeah. not, you know, and who who do not want to get into sexual behavior. And so it's kind of for everyone's comfort levels. Yeah. And the other issue that we uh, had that uh, we, we wanted to create a, uh, a no no overt sex. Uh, if guys jack off and that sort of thing, we don't mind that. But we don't want to have somebody tie up a play space for four hours while they are sitting there making out. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, we find that if it's strictly you play and then you get out, open up the space for somebody else. Uh, if you want to if you want to have sex, that's great. Just don't do it here. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and it, it was basically people would monopolize play spaces so that nobody else could use it. And then also it's uh, basically we didn't want to become just a, uh, a five dollar place to go have sex. Yeah. Uh, you know, there are bathhouses for that. <laughs> This is a male spanking party, and that's what we were want. Uh, that's what we wanted to emphasize. And I'm just kind of confused as to why that. You know, given that there are now hookup apps, like why does anyone even need to do that anymore? You could just go directly to their house, or maybe that's the point. They don't want to go to someone's house, but um, they want. Yeah, some people don't want to use their own house too. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, now you you were also and uh, Man's Hand Films did previously used to get involved in the spanking community with the spanking booth up at the Folsom street fair in, right. uh, in San Francisco. So, so talk a little bit about that. Cause people, you know, there's, there's, there were videos about that. There's, there's always images that I keep seeing on Tumblr and, and going or circulating around online from the spanking booth. Yeah. Uh, it started in 1993 and, uh, basically it was in the middle of the AIDS crisis and, uh, the owner of Man's Hand Films and his partners uh, with the company wanted to do something as a fundraiser. And they had had a booth at the uh, Folsom Street Fair, which is the world's largest leather event for people who don't know. Uh, gets about 500,000 people, mostly leather men and women and uh, guys that are into all sorts of kink uh, up in the uh, uh, 13-block district of uh, San Francisco. And uh, so he wanted to do something as a fundraiser, so he came up with the idea of creating a uh, spanking booth. And it's like the old kissing booth at the fair, except for a dollar you get a swat on your butt instead of a peck on the cheek. And the first year that they did it, they raised about $600. And so they continued doing it year after year, and uh, they did it for 18 years total. And I participated for the last probably 10 years. Um but uh, basically, they raised about sixty-six thousand dollars for uh, for the AIDS Emergency Fund of San Francisco by charging a dollar a swat and spanking guys on the butt. Wow. Yeah, I've seen pictures of you dishing out some uh, some some paddle swats to some oh, yeah. some attractive gentlemen with very nice butts. Yes. <laughs> but uh, we you're you're no longer doing a, a spanking booth up at Folsom, is that? No, correct? it really became uh, cost prohibitive uh, because. We donated everything that we made at the uh, at the booth to the AIDS Emergency Fund. Uh, 
basically man's hand films paid for everything and it was much cheaper when they lived in san francisco but once they moved to uh, los angeles in uh the year 2000 then suddenly it's like they had to fly everybody up there they had to get hotels they had to rent a van to move the stuff and uh by the time it was over, it would be cheaper for us to just donate the money that we had made or that we were spending than to actually go up and work the booth for a day and raise less money overall. So uh, we looked for other charitable things to do down here in the L.A. area, and we stopped going in 2011. That was the last year we were there. Yeah, so, but it so was fun. It was it was a unique situation, and we tried doing something like that down here in Los Angeles at the Christopher Street West Gay Pride Festival, and then we tried the Leather Fest. But uh, the police officers down here are not nearly as friendly as the ones in San Francisco who would actually stand and watch guys drop their pants in the middle of the street and get their bare ass spanked. Uh, down here, it was like, absolutely not. It would not be permitted. So uh, we had to find other venues to uh, do charity. Yeah. Oh, well. But uh, but it was a very, very, very formative uh, <laughs> kind of a, yeah. a scene, and uh, I'm sure lots of lots of folks well, around the, around the world saw those pictures and images and some of those. Oh yeah, and the, and... the pictures have made the rounds, and I mean, we shot videos and we shot photographs ourselves, but there were thousands of people that stood in a circle around uh, around the bench and so forth, and they were all taking their own pictures. Yeah. And we actually a couple times we had news uh, news outlets come in and want to photograph and videotape us. And uh, so, yeah, it really made a big impact. And the other thing was it wasn't just a fundraiser for uh, the AIDS Emergency Fund, but uh, the owner of Man's Hand Films also wanted to bring the spanking fetish to the front to, to let people know that it's out there and it's cool and it's a lot of fun to watch. It's a lot of fun to participate in. And uh, so, yeah, it, it was it was a pretty amazing uh, a time and really glad that we were able to do it. Now, did you did you have any situations? I'm, I'm sure you probably did of, of of guys who had who had never really been spanked before and were curious oh, sure. curious about yeah. it. And what were their reactions? Uh, it varied. Um, some were shocked by the fact that we were really spanking them, and it really stuck. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, it's like it was such a fun environment, though. Everybody was out having a party. Uh, there was a lot of beer consumption. Um, and so uh, there were some guys that got turned on, and I mean, basically they'd get spanked on a bench, and when they'd stand up, they had an erection, and they were kind of proud of it. Um, other guys, like I say, were shocked at how much it hurt and the fact that they thought we were going to go light with them. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a, such a fun environment that nobody got offended. We never had a problem with somebody getting pissed off with us. Uh, lots of laughter. Um, there are a couple of videos. Man's Hand still offers a couple of the videos. Uh, we, we videotaped it for a number of years. Or you can, like you say, see literally thousands of pictures from the spanking booth uh, on various websites. Yeah, so that's uh, it's a kind of a shame that went away, but um, lots of great images. Uh, but uh, speaking of images, um, let's uh, let's move on to the, the fantasy life of spanking because – Everybody, you know, I'm I, I'm absolutely certain that 100% of the people who are listening to this podcast has seen at least one of your spanking illustrations. Uh, so, so tell us. And in fact, in uh, in our third episode of the podcast, uh, when uh, Brian and I, when we were we were talking about spanking artwork, you were you were one of the the major. Uh, 
major. Uh, yeah, I listened to that podcast and it was very flattered. Yes, the, and he gave us he gave us art. He gave me and Brian each got to pick out a, a piece of piece of your original art uh, drawings. I think I picked out something that was used for um, in Red Tails uh, magazine. Right. Um, so so tell us how 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 did you get started with with your artwork? Um, I draw what I like. It's uh, one of those things. I mean, I, I actually was an art major in college, uh, advertising design, and I tried to work in the uh, in the commercial art world. However, it's more fun to do as a hobby than it is as a living. And so I only lasted about six months before I went out and sought a different career. But I still love drawing. I still loved illustrating. And uh, so I basically just never I, – I, I doodled. I you know did drawings for myself and whatever, but – uh, it was in 1990 that I, similar to you, I went to an adult bookstore and saw Control T videos, and they had a magazine called Hot Bottoms, and they were, I was living in North Hollywood at the time, and they were uh, in Mission Hills, fairly close here in the San Fernando Valley, and so I contacted them, and uh, they had, in one of their magazines, they said something about, you know, they're looking for people to write stories and do illustrations and all, so I did a couple illustrations, mailed it to them. And God bless them. They mailed me some of the hottest spanking videos I'd ever seen. <laughs> and, uh, so that became a, a passion. It's like if I draw more cartoons, uh, they will send me more videos. And so uh, I actually did some uh, comic strip style cartoons. I did some illustrated stories, both wrote them and illustrated them. And uh, we did that for probably a couple of years. And then uh, basically the guy that owned Control T, uh, he was putting himself through law school. Uh, by doing this uh, a porn company. And, okay. Uh, very, very successful. But once he passed the bar, he decided to sell it. And uh, when he sold the company, the new people didn't keep up the magazine. They weren't really into spanking. They really wanted his mailing list. That was the primary thing that they wanted is he had a, a huge mailing list of people that were into fetish. And they were more into... Uh, cross-dressing and that sort of thing is a fetish, but they wanted his mailing list. So okay. he sold the company for a good price, but they stopped producing videos, and eventually they went out of business uh, as Control-T. Um, but that was about the same time that I went up to San Francisco to attend the Folsom Street Fair and saw the Man's Hand booth, and I literally, I was on vacation, and uh, Folsom was always on a, a Sunday afternoon, and so I spent all day Monday doing an illustration of the man's hand spanking booth. And then I had exchanged uh, telephone information with the owner. And so I went to his house or his apartment in San Francisco and presented him with a drawing of the booth. And that started a 25-plus year relationship. I've been uh, working with man's hand ever since. They've published a book of my drawings I do regular illustrations from uh, Red Tails magazine. You had an uh, art show. I went to I went to your art show. Oh, yeah. It was in Hollywood. Yeah, I had a one-man art show uh, in uh, the Antebellum Gallery in uh, Hollywood and uh, sold a couple pieces there. So, yeah, it's uh, it certainly isn't enough to be a living, but it's a, a fun hobby and avocation. Yeah, so, so other than the obvious spanking, what do you like to draw when you're when you're doing your spanking art? Um, well, spanking. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's, you know, uh, one of the things I really try to do in my drawings is capture some emotion, uh, facial and, uh, you know, body language and so forth. Uh, 
more than just the boy howling over the lap. Uh, sometimes it's the anticipation, you know, the father taking a belt off his uh, uh, off his pants or walking toward him with a uh, with a hairbrush or something. And the look on the kid's face is really important to me. Uh, the look on the father's face is really important to me. Uh, but I, I try to capture some of the emotion. And uh, you can actually do that easier with art than you can with photography. Yeah, that's like one of the things that, that I've – that's actually one of the things that appeals to me about artwork uh, as opposed to photography and, and porn because, you know, if you, you – you can – have a you know an attractive person or several attractive people in in your your porn video and they're in your photos, but you can't really control the way that they react. And you know with or you, or you can ask them to. And sometimes they're they're better actors than others. Yes, definitely. <laughs> but with artwork, yeah, you can you know and it, it, as someone you know who spanks guys, it can be real. It's actually in the real world hard to make someone cry from spanking. Whereas in artwork, you can just make them all ball their heads off. Absolutely. You create a perfect world. <laughs> um, because, yeah, you unlike photography, unlike uh, film, where you are working in a real environment, here you're creating the entire environment. So, uh, you know, you don't have a cluttered background. You, uh, you have things exactly where you want them. And like you say, you create the emotions that you want. Yeah. So, so how do you? Um, what actually? One question someone asked was was uh, what sort of medium? What's your favorite medium? The, the way that you do your artwork. Uh, my favorite medium is pen and ink, uh, black outline. And then I, uh, when I first started working for Red Tails, of course, it was a printed magazine. There was no internet, so all of the illustrations had to be in black and white, and uh, because the color printing was just cost prohibitive, but. Um, so pen and ink has always been one of my favorites. Then when we started the online magazine, when Red Tails stopped being printed on paper and actually became a uh, an online magazine, then all of the illustrations had to be full color because it's much more appealing. So um, as far as pen and ink is my favorite medium, but as far as the coloring, sometimes it's a watercolor wash, sometimes it's uh, markers. It just depends. I, I, I try to change it up. I don't want all my illustrations to look identical, so... Uh, I, sometimes I'll do a pencil drawing and then scan it and then colorize the scan. Uh, the one thing I don't do is computer art. Yeah, you still do just, all of your drawings by hand. Yeah, yeah. That's just I'm very old school. I'm I'm very old. Um, so it's just one of those things where it's, you know, that's the way I was trained. And uh, I appreciate computer art, but uh, it's just something that I've never really explored. So um, you do you do. Well, you don't do private commissions, do you? I do not know. Um, and there's a reason, which is I will never get it right. If somebody has an image in their mind, uh, they uh, basically I will do the drawing and then uh, they will tell me what needs to be corrected. And because I'm old school and actually doing ink on paper, uh, half the time I would have to go back and completely start from scratch. Computer generated art, obviously. You can save it. You can alter it. You can take things out. You can put things in. Uh, you know, I, I, when I used to try to do commissions, there was one guy who wanted a dad and son uh, over the knee thing, and uh, he really was into feet and wanted the socks very prominent. And uh, I got scolded badly because dads wear black socks and children wear argyles. And <laughs> it's like, you know, here again, it's like they don't think to tell you everything, and even if they do tell you everything, it's like – you know, uh, I had one person 
that absolutely liked a piece of my art. However, the top in that picture was left-handed, and I spank right-handed, so I cannot enjoy that piece of art. And it's like, you know, get a mirror. Um, it, it's one of those things where, you know, uh, I tried doing it from time to time, and uh, it never even occurred to me, you know, which hand the top was using. I'm not thinking in those terms. I was thinking of basically filling the space. And uh, so, yeah, I don't do private commissions. Man's Hand for Red Tails Magazine does give me stories that have been written by people, and then it's my job to illustrate them. But we don't, like, pass the illustrations by the author before we publish it. It's just like, I'll do the illustrations, and they're, you know, they're always fine with whatever I come up with. Yeah, well, yeah, as someone who writes myself, I just love it when I see art that someone actually, so I've done, I've done private commissions of art for my stories, and I try, yeah, one tip I would say, because I have worked with quite a few artists, and I can, you know, and I understand those experiences, because it's like, um, I try to give some specific, you know, instructions, but I'm careful, I, I like, I, because I like spanking art, I like to see their interpretations. And so, so for example, there was a, um, I had images, uh, an image done of, from one of my story series, uh, called Aaron's game. And I hadn't really, I knew the characters that I, that I wanted. I knew who I wanted to be top and bottom and I knew, you know, it was going to be paddle and, and, but I didn't really have a really set idea of how it was going to look. And I let the artist know that who I worked with before and gave him the freedom. And he, he is the most amazing thing happened at all. I'll actually include this when I promote this podcast episode on 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 uh, Tumblr. I'll I'll include the art on that because it, what he ended up doing was he had uh, we had some shared things that we like in our art, and one of those is like we like seeing guys with the the um, the seats torn off the backs of their pants, you know, and right. so their butts are exposed, and you know we like these sort of sort of bullyish kind of scenarios. Um, and so what he did was he had the the top in the image had torn the seat of the the, the guy getting spanked torn the seat of his jeans out with his teeth and he still <laughs> had them in his mouth so he was like standing there growling at this guy with with this these these uh, slices of denim or whatever hanging out of his mouth, and it was so hot to me. And it was like, and it was even hotter for the fact that I didn't ask for that. It was just something. It was an idea he had. It, it wasn't. Was, you didn't write that he tore them off with his no, mouth. No, no. It was just oh, kind of like, yeah, yeah. It was his interpretation, and I loved it. And it's just like it was something unexpected. And so, so I really, it's it's now my, it's now one of my favorite images. And so you just kind yeah. of, I guess if you're requesting, I was, it's a great thing to be open to the idea. Some people get really, really, really specific. And I understand that because pe sometimes people's fantasies are really specific. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, I did actually take a commission recently. Uh, one of the guys that is a regular at Camp Red Tails had created a new board game. And it's similar to Clue, except instead of Colonel Mustard in the lobby with the pipe wrench, it's which top in which room with which tool. And uh, he sent me the rules, and he wanted to have the game board illustrated with six examples of tops, uh, a, a British headmaster, a priest with a uh, leather strap, a father over the knee. And he gave me the entire freedom of basically doing whatever I wanted. He gave me the dimensions that they had to be. That was his only requirement, was it had to be a certain size to fit the board game. 
And I did the illustrations and emailed them to him, and he was so appreciative. He had no corrections whatsoever, and uh, it, it was a lovely experience. But it here again, I've known him for 20 years, and uh, I pretty much knew his tastes. And uh, But it is fun to do commissions uh, from time to time, as long as they don't become obsessive. Yeah. And uh, one thing I would mention um, – actually, uh, let's get to a question that, that Jaden, who – who's been on the podcast a couple of times talking about his, his uh, talking about WAPS. Um, oh yeah. He, yeah. He, he wanted to know what you saw as the future. Uh, what does the future hold for spanking artwork? Um, well, certainly it used to be that there were a lot more outlets that would actually pay for spanking art. Uh, Red Tails magazine is the only magazine that's still around that still will pay for original art, original stories, you know, like we did with Control, like I did with Control T, they'll either give you merchandise or pay cash, either one. Uh, and, you know, it has to be good quality and so forth, but uh, it was an outlet. And that's, you know, that's the only one that still exists. The other magazines, uh, like uh, uh, Hot Bottoms and Woodshed out of San Diego and so forth, uh, they've they've all gone away. And so uh, the, the fact of the matter is that if you want to make a living doing erotic art, it's getting more and more difficult. Plus, there is just so much that's out there for free, including my art. You know, once it's been published in Red Tails magazine, somehow it finds its way onto the Internet. And uh, the owner of Man's Hand and I, we don't mind. It's like, you know, it, it, we want people to be exposed to it and all. But if you're trying to make a living doing erotic art, and there are some people that still do that, um, the the marketplace is really reduced, uh, reduced greatly by the Internet. Um, so I don't know. The thing is that those of us who draw spanking illustrations, it's, it's a passion and it's like, I don't do it for the money. Um, you, you know, I, I would, I would be starving if I did it for the money, but the, uh, the bottom line is that we enjoy doing this and we enjoy sharing it. So I don't think it's going to go away. And, uh, you know, it'd be really nice to find some new talent, um, Basically, the the hardcore spanking artists were myself, uh, Jonathan, uh, Sea of Sweden, uh, Franco, and uh, Jonathan and Sea of Sweden have stopped producing new art. Uh, Franco still does from time to time, but he's now getting more into the computer-generated art instead of the pencil drawings that he was so famous for. Uh, there are still a few new ones that pop up from time to time, but uh, yeah, it, it's one of those things where... The old days where we had regular spanking stories were illustrated on a monthly basis or a you know quarterly basis or whatever, those days have pretty much gone away. Yeah, there's there I've discovered that you know there are some some new artists who do who do spanking art as part of a suite of of types of you know SNL. It's kind of like you know kind of like Tom of Finland's drawings, where Tom sure. of Finland did a lot of different kinds of S and M and leather art, and spanking was in there, but you know it wasn't entirely his scene. So like the the guy that um that I, the commissions that that I, I mentioned earlier, he does he's done a lot of spanking art for me and a couple of other folks, but he's also done just a lot of a lot of erotic cartoony. Right. gay art and there was another artist who that i just recently only discovered in the last year who incorporates spanking into some of his artwork but he doesn't even take commissions he just does he does art cartoony adorable sort of comic-y style art of of um actors and characters that he likes like the the various actors and heroes in the marvel movies and oh, yeah. and, and, and sometimes he you know incorporates spanking into those scenes um 
the other artist that I forgot to mention was Sprite. And I don't oh, know Sprite, pro- yeah. I don't know if he's still producing or not. I haven't seen anything recently. No, I haven't uh, seen anything new from him in years. He lives in Australia. I mean, I've had some conversations right. with him. Um, right. And he actually did uh, a couple of pieces of art based on interactions I've had with him. And that's, that's neat as well. I didn't pay for those, but he, he cause nice. he just, he just, he just liked drawing art. But if you are interested in paying for commissions, first of all, I do think there should be more, more spanking art. I have paid for every single spank piece of spanking art. Uh, well, other than the ones that Sprite just did for me that I wasn't expecting, but um, I've paid for all the spanking art that I've done. So, and it is out there. Like you said, it's out there free on the internet. I'm fine with that. The artist is fine with that. That's part of the agreement that we have, but he got paid. And in fact, if you're really into spanking art there, you know, or if if you're out there and you want to encourage this, a lot of these erotic artists have started uh, developing Patreon accounts. Uh, and Patreon, for people who don't know it, is a sort of a, a crowdsourcing site where you get people to donate money to you every month to help fund your creative works. And it could be art, it could be writing, it could be podcasts. I've actually thought about whether to do a Patreon, but I don't really need it. I don't. I certainly don't need money to do this. I just need time, and Patreon can't give me time. Um, <laughs> you can't, I'm sorry, but, you can't no, donate that, time. That, that is a great idea, though. <laughs> yeah, and in fact, yeah people that are into the arts yeah and in fact the the artist that i've done this banking but have just recently started his patreon and i just literally yesterday subscribed and now i'm donating money to him every month now well, that's great. just to support and it's not and it's just to support him because it's not always speaking art but he's a great artist i you know there are a couple of reasons number one he does the most amazing butts uh, he does animation and, you know, he draws butt animations really well, which is a weird thing to be, but it's like, you'll see it's like, oh, that's so sexy. And then the other thing is, that's really interesting to me is that he draws um, really diverse guys. Um, and so, so it's not just a bunch of white male twinks of, you know, you know what I mean? Or even just white, Absolutely. white yeah. male jocks. He draws a lot of African-American men. He draws a lot of, you know, Latino. He does, there's a lot of diversity in his artwork. And that's actually one of the reasons that attracted me to him because I incorporate guys of different races into my writing. And so I wanted someone who was able to draw those and he's done a great job with them. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. So, um, with, that um i think that kind of wraps up any any tips for anyone who's looking you know who's thinking about getting into artwork uh practice <laughs> do what you love um the more you draw the the better your techniques become and uh and here again it's like if you have something that you'd like to uh submit to mansand films contact the uh the owner he's on uh mansandfilms.com uh if you write and you want to submit a story uh, we'll either barter for product or send you some money and, uh, you know, keep this, uh, keep this whole fantasy going. Yeah. Yeah. It would be great. I, you know, I like the idea that there, because of the availability of artists or there's, there's this easier connection, much as there's an easier connection, you know, with dudes actually speaking each other, there's an easier connection with artists who are looking for work, but there is that issue now that people can't easily make a living off of it um right so it's I mean, important I, i'm a member of the tama finland foundation and you know we go to annual events and so forth and you see so many artists that you didn't even know existed and uh you know you, you get to meet people and network with them and so forth but uh they all say you know it's a different world now and yeah. uh, much yeah. more difficult 
Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of artwork that's influenced by, um, I guess, Japanese animation and comic books oh, yeah, these yeah. days, and you know, so it's very interesting to kind of see some evolutions of it. But yeah, it's it's an interesting challenge. So with that, we will wrap up our fantasy life of spanking. Now, I did get something that wasn't really a question. Um, but I'm going to treat it as a question because because you and I both have very much a, a lot of experience in dealing with people who are like this. Someone contacted me in uh, on Spank This Hookups um, and said uh, and said I need some discipline but not comfortable meeting in a group setting. Can we still meet? Ah, uh, need more information. <laughs> yeah, I um. I've had, and I, you know, and again, I, I keep talking about this on, on the podcast, and I, I apologize if it sounds like a broken record for, for regular listeners, but um, I have pretty much made it a policy to meet people for the first time at the Moonburn parties or some, some public group setting. Um, there are several reasons for that, and 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 when it, you know, and, and these kinds of messages just kind of set off a red flag. Um, honestly, it's like, well, why? Why are you not comfortable meeting in a group setting? Are you concerned that it's going to, you're going to be committed to getting a spanking that you're not comfortable with? Is it, you know, because what I see from that is I want, I don't want anyone else to know that, that you and I are together. And that's kind of a big, huge danger warning sign, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, I, I don't always make people meet me at Moonburn. I mean, I'll meet them at a coffee shop. Uh, I, I want people to be as comfortable as possible when we're going to play. But uh, especially if it's, you know, somebody I haven't played with before, first time or whatever. But um, rather than go to some stranger's house and, you know, be kind of in a locked-in situation where you don't have control, I'd much rather meet somebody in a public uh, setting, Moonburn is a great place to do that. And uh, one of the things is you actually get to see how the guy you're meeting plays. You get to see him spank someone or get spanked by somebody. What is their reaction? You get to see exactly who they are. It's not necessarily a photograph that, you know, they sent you by email and you don't know if it's legit or not. Um, so, yeah, uh, Moonburn is a great place to inter inter interact with people and meet Um but I almost always insist we meet somewhere before we meet privately to play, unless it's a referral, unless it's, I mean, I had one yesterday, a guy came over, but it was somebody from camp who said, he's in town, he would like to meet you, and he vouched for him, and it was a wonderful experience. But um, especially with guys from out of town, they're often in a hurry, they don't have time to meet. Uh, like you say, those are red flags, there's, you know, potential danger there. Yeah, so, so you know, some things that, I mean, I've... I haven't had any really serious, scary experiences, but like in the early days when it was tougher to meet, I've had, you know, people who don't look anything like they're, you know, they, they send me photos of, of someone else, um, yes. which is, and that always ends up being the weird one because they often look perfectly fine. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I, you could have sent me a picture of you and I still would have been interested in playing with you. Um, I did have a guy who would, who, once he found out where I lived, would randomly show up my at my place looking for spanking, um, and I was like, "This is awkward, and you need to stop doing this." Yes. Um, you know, and so, so it, uh, you know, and of course there are the issues that 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 people are people. If you follow the news, people are using 
apps to rob people, you know, and, uh, you know, to, to meet with them and not with the interest in having sex and interest of, of robbing them and taking their stuff. Um, and so, so when someone says, I'm not comfortable meeting, just even just meeting in a group setting that sends up a lot of alarm bells for someone, you know, for, for anyone who has a lot of experience. And, and the important thing for people to understand is, you know, meeting in a, meeting in a group setting, meeting someone at Moonburn doesn't commit you to doing anything. No, absolutely not. And uh, I always emphasize that when I'm going to meet with somebody there, it's like you don't have to play there, but it's a chance, chance. It's a safe location to meet. It's a it's a safe location to shake hands, say hello, look around, watch each other play if we were interested. If you want to play there, that's great. If you don't, that's also great. We can play privately, but at least we know that we're both sane and uh, on the same on the same page. And you know, and I can't emphasize enough how much it actually reduces the tension. That for some reason people think that there's increased tension going to these. It's like no, this reduces the tension because meeting someone you don't know in a private environment that you haven't been before that dramatically increases the tension. And I've actually met, got, gone to meet guys, and um, we were just really uncomfortable and we weren't really able to play. And then I've actually subsequently like seen them at Moonburn and everything was so much looser and freer and, you know, all that tension just wasn't there. Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, you know, it's, it's a fun environment. It's a, it's a good place to, to connect with guys that are into the same fetish. Yeah. Cause if you like, if you like in, in this one case, I, I drew, drove hours to a couple of hours to meet with someone and then we just didn't really connect and we were not enjoying ourselves and this was you know after that trip like we only you know played around for like 15 minutes and we're like this isn't working and like no one wants to and so you have feel this awkward pressure what you know if you plan if you make the kind of plan there's there's suddenly there's this pressure where you feel like oh we both went through this effort we have to do something right yeah um, actually, I have a slight advantage over most guys because I am known in the community. And so it's like when I went to Europe a couple of years ago, I wanted to go to a couple of spanking parties. And uh, I did. But also, you know, if I wanted to meet with somebody privately, they kind of knew how I spanked. They kind of knew who I was and so forth. And there wasn't the uh, the issue of having never met and not knowing if I'm telling the truth. And you probably would even experience that through the through this podcast that, you know, you have a reputation now in the community. and It's a good reputation. So uh, it might be easier for us as opposed to somebody who's brand new to the scene and all. And that's where I think Moonburn could really be a, uh, a good place to meet or not just Moonburn, but any spanking club or uh, BDSM club. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so to, to answer this gentleman's question, who didn't really send a question, he just kind of wanted to meet with me, um, uh, I, I, I did respond to them that, that I, I meet people first at Moonburn, and he, he never replied back to that, so I'm, I'm assuming I'm, I'm not going to meet him. Um, I have had some people who have done this, who have done this, you know, I'm not comfortable, and, and I said I'm only going to, I only meet at Moonburn, and then they have come to Moonburn. Right, and they enjoyed the experience. Sometimes they did agree to get spanked there. Sometimes they did not, but they still liked, you know, having that happen. And then we can discuss afterwards. I've subsequently had guys over at my place that I first met at Moonburn. I've I've done the same thing, and it's a surprising. I think guys have an image of what Moonburn or a spanking party in general is, and when they get there, they discover that it's really a great group of guys 
that are having fun, that are expressing themselves, and uh, they they actually get into it. And like you say, they they swore I'm not going to get spanked at the party, and by the end of the party, it's like, hey, I got spanked three times. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a good experience for most people. All right, with that, let us uh, wrap up this episode of Dudes Spanking Dudes. Um, Paul, I want to thank you very, very, very much. Like immediately, once the podcast started talking, uh, started taking off, people in LA are like, "You have to have, you have to get Copper on there. You have to get Copper on there." <laughs> it's like, okay, okay, and then so, so thank you very much for agreeing. I, I appreciate you having me. It's, uh, it's been fun. Yeah. Now, is there, um, if, if people want to reach out to you in this baking community um it, uh how would you prefer that they do so um i basically i'm on spank this hookups under no ho top n-o-h-o top and uh i i don't use all of the various uh sites because i have a fairly large group of people that i play with on a regular basis <laughs> so i'm not really looking for new people all the time like i say i had a new guy come over yesterday just because he was visiting l.a but, uh, you know, if anybody wants to contact me, Noho Top is my uh, Spank This Hookup connection. Okay. And as always, uh, if, if you out there have any questions for me, uh, I could be reached at Spank This Hookups at Red SPK Scott. Um, everywhere else, like WAPS, Recon, Tumblr, and even on Scruff, I am Red Spank Scott. So, uh, once again, thank you, Paul, for joining me. And my pleasure. Thanks to everyone for listening, uh, and I'll catch you next time. Happy spanking.